Thanks for joining us on Analytic Dice, the monthly podcast in which we, Kevin and Gabe, analyze a tabletop role-playing game system or setting. Before recording each episode, we will have both played and run the specific RPG game or setting under discussion. While there is no perfect system or setting, people do have preferences, and this podcast will explore our actual play experiences with different mechanics, reviewing the great, the good, and our opinion on the pain points inherent in each system or setting adaptation. And now we start the Analytic Dice podcast for June 2023, our episode zero, where we explore the RPG experiences of our hosts, Kevin and Gabe. Here, they slash we reveal their loves and their biases when it comes to RPGs and go on to talk about the structure of the podcast. Enjoy. Well, thanks for joining us for the Session Zero podcast of Analytic Dice. Uh, I'm Kevin, and with me is Gabe. Gabe. And, Gabe, and we're <laughs> your hosts for Analytic Dice. So uh, I, I keel-hauled uh, Gabe into this podcast, but I we've been playing together for a while. So so Gabe, what's your understanding? Why are, why are we here in this podcast, Analytic Dice, and, and what are we going to be talking about? That's a large question. It's I def I do feel like it is definitely your project and I agreed to join largely because I have a lot of opinions about role-playing games. I enjoy role-playing games and we just know each other pretty well after having met during the COVID years and started gaming online, even though we live in different parts of the U S and I thought it would be a nice project that you invited me into Kevin. Well, thanks, Gabe. You know, Gabe is the one who introduced me to uh, Modifius and the 2D20 systems and Conan, which uh, 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 definitely have enjoyed uh, playing that. But before we talk about me, which I always talk about, Gabe, oh, tell us a little bit about, you know, so the listeners know where we're both coming from. You know, what's your, what's your gaming background? Because, well, let me set this up. So analytic dice. What is it? You know, we're we're going to uh, engage in a podcast. This is session zero, where you learn a little bit about us and what this podcast is about. Uh, Gabe and I are both uh, game runners and players, and so we decided, wouldn't it be great to uh, talk about uh, specific systems or settings after we had both run the game as GMs and played the game as players. So that's what we're going to do. Each month, we are going to pick a system or setting, and we are going to each take a turn in the player and the GM chair with a group of our other normal players. Uh, And this will all happen off podcast, right? So we'll do all that playing, and then we'll get together on the podcast. And after having practical experience with the games, uh, we're going to talk about them and uh, essentially talk about what what's great about this game, what's good about it, and then what are the pain points. We know that there's no perfect game out there, but there are different kinds of games for different folks. Different people enjoy different things, and we're going to hopefully try to discern that for folks. And we'll we'll run the gamut of games from some very well-known systems uh, to some more um, uh, smaller 
uh, systems that you might find on itch.io rather than at your local game store. So it's really going to run a, a wide range, and we hope you enjoy what you hear. But again, session zero. So Gabe, lie back on the couch. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your gaming experience. It's too easy to talk for a long time about gaming experience. I think to make it more brief, the easiest thing, since you brought up Conan, is to maybe set the parameters about what my gaming philosophy is right now or what my predilections are or my preferences are in play. And Conan is really it. It's a bit of a divisive game. We both, Kevin and I, belong to some communities where people love to punch. I hope they're punching up at Conan because it is <laughs> such, such, a, such a wonderful system. But it, it's, a, it's an example of where my gaming philosophy has landed in that it has outsized characters. So the GM can really throw things at those characters. And the characters have a number of resources that they can leverage to pretty much get what they want out of the narrative. And in that way, it becomes very uniquely collaborative, the GM and the players, rather than, um, and people are, all right, right away, I could hear the, the antithesis coming from those in the audience, but the old school model where the GM or the dungeon master is God of his or her own domain, and all the players really are just fortunate to be playing in that person's world. Conan really does a good job of abstracting what needs to be abstracted and really simulating what I appreciate in simulation and um, really uh, evokes the pulp ethos in gaming. And so for me, that's my high watermark. I'll continue on quickly and this could probably go on to Kevin pretty easy. Uh, we kind of met over against the Dark Master and for both of us against the Dark Master being a reimagining of middle earth role-playing 1987 iron crown enterprises that was my first role-playing game and so that really scratches my nostalgia itch even though as kevin says not every game is perfect and maybe some of the quote-unquote imperfections and against the dark master is just legacy material that needs to be there since what it is is evoking middle earth role-playing from way back in 1987 which many say is the height of the simulationist era in gaming. Uh, so games have changed so much since then. And so this project here with Kevin is an opportunity for me, even though I have found my holy grail of gaming, which is Conan 2D20, <laughs> it's an opportunity that I've long wanted to explore a number of games out there. I feel like it might be like speed dating since I'll GM and play. And I'm going to try not to take it seriously. Most of my games, I try to, you know, I really get into it. Well, Kevin's played my games. I There's passive players. There's casuals that we would like to say, right? But in this new era, when we're gaming online with people, more and more, everyone at the table is deeply invested and passionate not only in the hobby but hopefully in the game that is at that virtual table that we're all gathered around right now which has given me permission to a degree that i've never done before to really take my game seriously and really work on what i'm presenting to people this project 
is really, I'm going to have to, I think, take it less seriously. We are just sitting down, messing around, trying to understand what we have in front of us, throwing some dice around, and then making some perhaps uh, snap judgments. Because as we, as Kevin and I both know, really good games need time to breathe, in my experience. And you need to get some familiarity with the rules. So I think in the session zero, I have talked my way into recognizing that I recognize that, that um, the project is only going to be superficial impressions from two dates. <laughs> <laughs> well, Gabe, I'm glad you mentioned, <clears throat> you know, how we ended up connecting online. Of course, you know, folks, COVID uh, made a lot of connections. A lot of us who were playing around tables ended up uh, on virtual tabletops uh, for the first time. Uh, but um, I learned about Against the Dark Master from a friend of mine who now lives across the country. I hadn't talked to in years, but um, he uh, long ago uh, borrowed my Rollmaster uh, stuff. And um, when Against the Dark Master came out, reached out to me and said, hey, you've got to check out this Against the Dark Master. I remember when I took, and I might still have your Rollmaster stuff. Uh, and, uh, so I, you know, I checked out against the dark master and, and as you said, really quite a nostalgia factor. Um, it, it reads incredibly well. I, I think against the dark master is one of those many games. I would call it a labor of love. You know, the, the folks who wrote this game, uh, really labored over it, spent time over it. Uh, and it's a well crafted, uh, game and very enjoyable. Um, I, I think the journeying mechanics and things like that. Uh, really brought me to it. But, you know, this is not a review of that game. So this is, a, a you know, the session zero. And I, I think that, you know, my background in gaming, because I want to get that out there, is that, you know, I, I started playing in the mid 80s. You know, the classic Dungeons and Dragons red box, and went on from there to play all sorts of things from Elric to uh, uh, ElfQuest, uh, Villains and Vigilantes, Traveler, uh, and and probably many more that I I, I can't even uh, remember, um, and had a great time. And uh, over the years, uh, uh, role playing fell away from me. Right, I I didn't play for probably a good 18, 20, 20 years. Let's call it twenty years and be fair. And um, uh, when one of my uh, kids got into their teenage years. They wanted to start doing some role-playing, so we went down to the local tabletop shop and started uh, role-playing uh, Dungeons & Dragons 5e. Had a great time with that. Ended up building a group in person there of people we liked playing with and had some fantastic campaigns. So many great worlds uh, to play in, uh, in in that system. And, it, um, and you know, as, as we've talked about, I mean, I, I'm someone who uh, I enjoy uh playing uh 5e i enjoy playing modifius 2d20 i enjoy playing so many game systems and i think we are in the golden age of gaming not only are all these games accessible you can <clears throat> go online and order them and they appear at your door and uh, another another game comes and my wife wonders what's in the box. So of course it's a Kickstarter. It's another book. But anyway, it, isn't it, so Kevin. <laughs> yeah. Isn't this golden age of gaming a bit overwhelming 
were we perhaps better off with more scarcity of choice and time to fully invest and fully dedicate our, our attention to one capital L, capital C long campaign you know, and get system mastery? <laughs> absolutely not. So uh, absolutely not. I mean, what what amazing creativity is out there that is accessible. And that's why I mentioned those games on itch.io. I mean, there are new games every single day and some really innovative thinking in gaming. Uh, and, you know, I know there are folks out there who are like, you know, as you said, the height of gaming was 1987 or 1977. Um, I just don't think that's the case. Um, I, you know, th those games are great, groundbreaking, right? Uh, but as with anything, things change. And they're still good games, but there are other great games now. And other ways of, of, of presenting games, whether you're doing something like Monsters of the Week or uh, some other more narrative-driven uh, 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 gaming system. I mean, just really fantastic. And uh, what I really enjoy uh, is this ability to connect with people online, because I could never do this if I was just going to the local gaming shop, right? Connect with people online about a game like Against the Dark Master and have a great time playing it. Connect with people over Monsters of the Week, have a great time. Uh, or, or pick your game, Scum and Villainy, um, uh, uh, even Dungeons and Dragons 5e. There are so many people out there who want to play, and it's so easy to connect with people. So not only is it a golden age because of the, uh, the internet and instant delivery of games and the ease of publishing and everything, it's the golden age of gaming because of the connectivity that has resulted right i mean we more than ever can find uh, a little niche game some a tiny little boutique game and if you get to the right discord server right you can find a community of a hundred people maybe it's only a hundred who love that game and they're probably from all over the world um and and you can find a time that's uh, convenient on gmt plus or minus whatever and you can play with that group and isn't that great where now there's more freedom than ever in gaming so that whoever you are whatever you favor as far as gaming and whatever community you feel comfortable with you can find that community online i hope and connect with them and game and i think i think that's great you know uh you know everyone doesn't want to game with me right um you know I, i'm i'm an older guy um, and I, I get it. Uh, maybe you want to game with a community of people more like you. I totally understand. And that's awesome because I think because of this connectivity, you can find them. And, and that's great. Now, I'd love to join your table, whoever you are out there listening to this. If you're ever looking for an extra player, look me up in the liner notes. Reach out on whatever socials, whether on itch.io or Twitter. Happy to, happy to join your table for a rotating seat. So that's what I would say, Gabe. Uh, it's it's uh, you know it's it's the golden age. But you know I think uh, we've talked a little bit about the game you love most, and I've got a I've got to self promote here too because not only uh, here am I here I'm Kevin and you're Gabe, but I'm also known online as Salt Heart, and I have a, my own little small RPG company, Salt Heart RPG LLC. 
And uh, I have a successful Kickstarter that went this year on a little game called Burn 2D6. It started out over on itch.io, and that is Burn 2D6. And coming to you shortly on DriveThruRPG, you'll be able to get a hard copy of that book. So, you know, if you like this podcast, uh, pick up my book. But any again, it'll also be in the liner notes for this podcast. And I would say that... Um, you know, I'm very interested in gaming, very interested in offering new things out there. And hopefully through this podcast, as we go into future episodes, you'll be able to find a game system you've been interested in, whether it's Tunnels and Trolls or Jackals or something else, and we'll cover it. And you'll be able to understand a little bit more about how that game plays and whether it's for you. We understand that all games aren't for everyone. So um let's see what else we got um so gabe how how should we structure these these podcasts we've talked about it a little bit but uh what do you think so i've been thinking about we have some ideas about what is going to be our first game and um i i've been thinking about so there's so much like game theory (laughs) It's here's how I, Kevin, here's how I typically structure things in my head. Um, I really like one of the aspects of RPG history that I know very little about. I think it's called the forge. When you're talking about boutique games and really small games, I think there was like a consortium of game designers um, who some, are perhaps caused some division in the community because of some very strong opinions or some strongly worded opinions is probably a better way of putting it that some members of that community have said. And this is a long way of getting to this. For me, what really frames a game is the GNS theory, gamist, narrativist, simulationist. I have not, there has been no other tool more useful for me than that one and when you when you're talking to another seasoned role player someone who knows what role playing is and has experienced more in one game and they want to know what's this game like that's what i take out of the box gamist narrativist simulationist and i add to it actually my own idea um well it's not my own idea but some people when they see me use it they're like i like that and they credit me it i just Sim- simulationist actually in English means the same thing as emulationist, but I have imposed a different meaning on emulationist for the purposes of describing role-playing games. Simulationist for me is a simulation of how, in how much we agree reality really is, or in, in other words, in a, a game that's trying to get at what would happen for real according to real physics. Whereas a game that's more interested in emulation for me is more interested in capturing the feeling of usually a specific intellectual property, whether it's a film um, or novels, writing, comic books. So for example, yeah, like comic books are great. So the universe feels differently in a comic book than it does in reality. My first encounter with it was this idea for me was not Champions, which is a super heroic role-playing game, because that was very simulationist. That was very like, 
if powers were real, this is how they would function. <laughs> and it's awesome. Uh, but when I saw emulationists in my youth, without ever really calling it that, was uh, Star Wars, a West End game, Star Wars game, where the joke is, of course, famously, stormtroopers can't hit their targets. And in that game, you can have mobs of stormtroopers that these heroes can dispatch with pretty easily. And you can dodge blaster bolts in that game. And that's true. I mean, that's true for Star Wars. That's how the movies play. And the rules reflected that. And so that's an emulate for me, that's an emulationist component of my memory, because I haven't played D6 Star Wars in ages. Kevin actually uh, is probably a little more versed on it right. recently. <laughs> right? But um, so, Kevin, what I don't know. I mean, so I know that we're going to talk about what's great about a game, what is um, good about a game, and probably some uh, some obstacles that we might foresee happening or even obstacles that we might have encountered in the game. But I think my main approach, my, my, my personal starting point would be in defining what the game intentions perhaps may be. And for me, the best frame is that GNS theory, which in case your audience doesn't know it, gamist. So is the game fun to play? Like how do the dice work? What kind of just in-game tools, levers, buttons, dials are at the table? Uh, the most board gamey aspects of it for people who want to reduce it to that kind of an idea. Narrativist, what kind of a story does it tell? What's it about? What's the theme? What's the ethos? What can you expect to happen in an evening or an afternoon or a morning of that property? And then we've covered simulationist and then emulationist for, you know, for me. So. Yeah. So where do you find yourself landing most of the time? when it comes to that so uh, that's that's a, why conan 2d20 is my whole my holy grail because i find that i it's a sword and, so everyone knows well, what conan wants to do is it wants to be a sword and sorcery game and so that would be the emulation of it it's uh i really like that ip that intellectual property and it emulates that pretty well in that the, the adventures are structured according to an episode, like you've read A Sword and Sorcery, and then Conan's experienced the downtime. Downtime is also narrative in a uniquely procedural way that sources the entire table to kind of fill in the gaps and what happens before we get to the next adventure, which can start in media res. The, the GM has full authority to be like, now here we are, we're hitting it. And that's what I like about that game. When it comes to gamists and narrativists, I need a game in my game. Uh, I shouldn't say need because that's going to set myself up for perhaps being critical of some of the games we play. But I do like crunchier games. It doesn't mean that I like procedures that take forever or could be too nitpicky. I need like that balance. And why Conan's great is um, many of the things that I love about Against the Dark Master where weapons behave differently against certain types of armors uh 2d20 has a great thing with their dice where you roll effects on your damage and those kind of neat little things that are often represented in the critical hit tables on uh, against the dark master happen probably a little bit more 
um, I, I hate the term quick, right? But they, they're uh, more accessible. They happen more accessibly through the dice rolls in Conan. And um, narrative, narrative. I want, I want, so when I talk about narrative, like in a game, I like the games that really are conducive to creating story. And not to be confused with story games, because I like crunchy games, I like emulationist games, and I like when all those serve really well to provide tools to GMs and players alike to be able to inform the emerging storytelling and narrative that's happening at the table. So that's a pretty complicated answer, Kevin. I apologize, because it seems that I land, I like to have all four of those things heavily represented in my ideal RPG experiences. And of course, I find myself using Conan as a object model <laughs> to demonstrate those, uh, those preferences. Yeah, in interest. I, you know, <clears throat> I guess I, I, I appreciate the framework. Um, and, and for me, you know, that's, I think helpful in understanding yourself and what kind of what kind of games uh, that you enjoy. Um, I to some extent, um, I I almost think that there's no one game that's solidly in any of those categories, right? I, I certainly, depending on who runs a game, um, you know, as an example, uh, we we ran some of this against the Dark Master game based on, you know, Role Master like game for a, a year or more together. And and although um, I don't know what you consider that game is a simulationist or 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 something yeah, with its I think it, tables and Okay, uh, if you yeah, if you want it lands it lands heavy on simulationism, but not as heavy as Role Master. That's uh many argue that that is a testament to the game, right? It these it's made some improvements, some would say. I also say it's heavily narrativist. I think it provides great tools for simulation and for emerging storytelling, um, largely because there's not a lot of tools in the world. Well, no, there's a couple of those. Where What I think it's lacking in is gamist. Mm -hmm. And what I mean there is I don't feel like players in Against the Dark Master have a lot of little buttons and bobs and tools and dials that they can activate to try to get what they want out of the narrative. The, it is conducive to narrative and it is a shared experience between player and GM, but it doesn't happen through gamist tools. Um, I, and you know, Kevin, you and I, we've been playing against Dark Master for a while. Um, right. we, <laughs> yeah, we, we sometimes feel, and I think, and here's the thing, I don't think that the game is, we can go on and on, man, right? Because like, that's not the, I don't think that's the game intention. I should have an article coming out on Blackgate Magazine pretty soon that's about Tolkien. And um, what the editor asked me to do is he asked me to write about Middle-earth role-playing. So I wrote about Middle-earth role-playing and I couldn't do that without talking about its legacy, which has come to my experiences with Against the Dark Master. And in that article, when I get to Against the Dark Master, I make an argument for the lack of gamist tools actually contributes to the theme of Tolkien. Mm -hmm. When I am playing against the Dark Master, I feel like Tolkien's themes come out very strongly because 
I have to decide all the time whether my heroic character is going to do the cowardly, craven, quote unquote, easy thing to try to survive, or if he's going to stand up and, and do what's right, even though he is almost certain that he is going to die because the powers of darkness are that strong. And the game actually is quite Tolkienian is because you never know. If once you roll the dice, you have a one in 100 chance of rolling any number from one to 100, but that is an equal chance of rolling a 96 or higher, at which point you catastrophe, Tolkien's theory of you catastrophe. Suddenly the, the, the darkness peels away, the sun shines down, and you have succeeded against all odds. So, and it only was because you tried. The game really, really does it, but you have, there's it, nothing is certain. There are no sure things in that game by a long shot because you don't have any game as tools to, uh, to leverage. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it, it's interesting because I think this, um, this conversation around the, the kind of gamer you are, the kind of games you enjoy, uh, you know, it is interesting. One of the things that um, that I uh, really like about, um, you know, Conan is what I would consider the gamest pieces of it, right? You've got, for those who play Star Trek Adventures and everything else, you're familiar with this, right? This is a Medivhius game with a, a version of Threat or Doom and and momentum and i forget what they call it in every other game but a way for you to spend the pieces in the game to do it so what do you think is that it does does it have those gamest elements within it would you say that is gamest i mean is conan spread across all three gamest narrative and and some simulationist that is precisely what i argued yep so i, I for me it hits it lands really heavy on all all three poles and that's what makes it pretty ideal for me yeah yeah well you know i i guess it's going to be interesting because i i definitely want to uh bring into uh you know our program our podcast some some uh, narrative games some games that are you know more narrative in their elements and and i think that it'll be interesting to see if you and i agree on uh, where a where a specific game falls uh, in that kind of continuum of gaming is it is it gamist is it uh, narrative is it a simulationist game um, you know it's interesting I think that you know when I built um, you know Burn Two D Six one thing I was trying to do is to create an easy game for game masters something and where, you did and you did right where GMs <laughs> Uh, could could get together and and throw a game together with little prep. So if you have a job and you're working 40, 50, 60 hours a week, but you still love role playing and you want to uh, run a game uh, with friends, even a pickup game, or you're at a con and you want to do a pickup game, you can run this game with little to no prep. Uh, and players can get heavily invested in it and, and run it. And um, and I would say it's heavily narrative. But um, I don't I don't think you can have a truly good narrative game without gamist components. In other words, pieces or things that the players can manipulate 
to be involved in the game, right? And whether it's, it's, it's some mechanism where they can decide, as you showed in Conan, where to give all the effort of their character, like where to, where to just leave it on the floor. Is there a mechanism where for this thing you're going to do, you're going to put in more effort than normal? And in some games that's possible and and frankly in some games it's just not a thing there's no mechanic to be able to say for this thing i'm putting in that extra oomph and and i definitely enjoy games that give that and of course there's got to be a cost for it right right there's a trade-off there has to be if there wasn't a cost it wouldn't be any fun so um i enjoy games that give players that level of agency uh, to be able to do it, um, you know, uh, you know, if if you really need to walk across that type rope from building to building, or you'll fall down below to your death, you should be able to put in your all, <laughs> put in your all, and put in that currency uh, so that you can get through it um, instead of just roll and see what you get. Yeah. Roll and see what you get. And, you know, you and I've talked about this before. Like, I think that this is called um, analytic dice, right? I mean, that's the, that's the Look, name we've of begun. this podcast. We've begun. Yeah. yeah, it's called analytic dice. And one of the reasons for that is, I, I guess I would say, and, and I probably won't reveal it here, I have a real bias around dice mechanics and, and dice mechanics that I think are fun and engaging and so and dice mechanics that statistically make some sense and then there are other dice mechanics out there and there are wildly popular dice mechanics that that really uh, don't discern necessarily between um uh, a competency and incompetency right uh, you roll the dice and it, you're just as likely to get an incompetent result as a as a competent result and 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 I think that the the dice you use and how many you use in a game can really affect the statistics of a role. And and I think that's important to um, to pay attention to. And I I've definitely uh, noticed um, you know some people trying to tackle this in some of the most popular games out there in creating variant rules that that, that create for a more even set of roles. Right as an example. Uh, maybe instead of rolling a d20, you're rolling 3d6. Right. right? Instead, right? And, and and what do you do? You know, look at the curve there, right? Your your chances of a landing in the middle are much greater with, with that kind of multiple dice roll than if you were just rolling a single d20. And, the, and those kinds, so I, I get into some of the, the, the use of dice and because um, uh, I think it is such a, such a big impact on a game there's nothing like running a game and being the gm and challenging your players right with some really cool stuff and then they get up there and and honestly you're like wow they've been doing great all along and then they hit 10 or 20 horrible rolls in a row right it's just terrible and 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 for for everyone i mean one bad roll is dramatic right with dramatic effect two bad rolls is really unfortunate three <laughs> bad rolls could create some real tragedy some real great narrative all right so 
<laughs> when's enough? When's when is punishment enough? And and so, um, yeah. So I guess my thing in games is there a way for players to say, I'm going to sacrifice something so that I can succeed on this roll, and then what do the normal dice command uh, mechanics look like, uh, so that uh, the playing experience doesn't isn't so swingy, and 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 you know you know when I say swingy, what I mean is you know, going from uh, incredible success to failure inside of two rolls, right? Um, you know, I, I, yeah, I don't know, Gabe, what do you think about that? <laughs> Let's I, reveal all our biases <laughs> right now in session zero. Hey, no, I think that's fair to do. I think we should establish uh, where we're at right now in our gaming journeys. I think that's totally above board so that people know that when we have an op opinions, about the games we explore, what those are built built from, as long as they have bothered to listen to us here at session zero. See, so, yeah. yeah. But well, I'm sure we'll have plenty of time to air all of our attitudes as in every episode we we oh absolutely we record. And you know, we're probably talking at a speed where, you know, at 1.25 times or one and a half times <laughs> speed, it would be just perfect for you listeners. Uh, so but you know we can we can wrap up our, our session zero here. I think we did a, a pretty good uh, job of, of revealing who we are and what we're going to talk about. And, um, you know, if, if you have um, any any comments for us or, or games that you would like to see us cover in, in the coming months, in the coming years, uh, there is a way of contacting us and you'll see it in the liner notes uh, for this podcast. Take a look, uh, send us a message. And we'll take a look. I, I will reveal here that, you know, our our session number one is dropping at the exact same time as session zero. So if you're listening to this, our session one has also dropped. And spoiler, Gabe, what are we covering in session one? Well, I'm pretty excited because for whatever reason, and perhaps I will speak about it in session one, I have for a long time wanted to experience what what many consider the second ever role-playing game or what i would like to think of as the original hack tunnels and trolls by ken st andre we'll be right. playing deluxe tunnels and trolls for any of you purists out there all right great well i'm excited uh, i haven't even read the rules yet but right you maybe know, you but... shouldn't yeah, maybe I shouldn't and see how it goes. I do have to, to run the game. But anyway, so that's what we'll be doing. And, and I'm pretty excited to try Tunnels and Trolls. Um, uh, and, and we'll be getting to it. And it, right now you'll hop to that other uh, session one or episode one and you'll be able to listen to that and, and, and see how I did. Anyway, thank you uh, again for listening to Analytic Dice and giving us a try. And uh, don't forget to subscribe and to be notified when the new monthly episodes drop. And why don't you just, after you hang up there, just hop on over, uh, listen to episode one, and then uh, drop us a line, drop us a comment, and, and give us some ideas on what game would you like us uh, to see us cover. Uh, we're, we're happy to hear from you. With that, uh, we'll see you soon. Uh, thanks for listening to Analytic Dice.